Welcome, I'm Pastor Abraham, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Sun Valley Podcast. You can check out our church on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for worship thoughts, devotionals, and the latest events happening at our church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Welcome to Sun Valley. We believe in growing faith and building community and in the hope of Jesus. We are back today after a brief break. Last week, uh, we had our youth uh, event, our youth program in person. And so for those of you who were tuning with us live, we hope that you were blessed uh, by the service. You can find that at, uh, I think it's OKAY, OKAY Youth on YouTube. I will post a link on our Facebook later later today so that you can watch that sermon in case you missed it. Um, But today, this week, we are continuing continuing our series called The Greatest Story the unexpected narrative of Jesus. And this is a series where we explore some of the major and minor writings and stories of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And through this series, what we're we're uncovering is that there is this incredible and radical love that is intricately woven through every page of the Bible's history. And as we read these stories, we're discovering that this love is the very love of Jesus that is leading us into redemption and healing. And so today we're taking a look at the book of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet who prophesied between the 6th and 7th centuries BC, and his ministry spanned the reign of five different kings from the time of Josiah to the end of the nation of Judah, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and the reign of Zedekiah. And Jeremiah promised that this conquest of Babylon, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 587 BC would come, but that it would not be the end of Israel. And so he was calling the people of Judah into repentance, repentance not only to avoid the destruction that Babylon would bring, but perhaps once they hadn't listened, then to lead them into that restoration that God had promised them. And so for today's reading, we're going to book, uh, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going to be reading a little bit out of order today, but we'll be exploring the message that Jeremiah gives to some of the people who were exiled in Babylon. Now, some of you may be familiar with this chapter, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You may be familiar with that, with that verse, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you and give you peace. I want to let you know that as a reading, we're not going to touch on that verse this week. That's going to be for a few weeks down the road. Um, I wanted to see the other verses because I know a lot of us are familiar with that particular verse, but we need to read the kind of the story and the context. And so we're going to be reading uh, a little bit all over the place in Jeremiah 29, jumping back and forth as we see this message that God has for his people. And we're finding that when Babylon conquered Judah, when it conquered most of the nations, because Jerusalem was the last stronghold, it was a fortified city. And so it was the last bastion of Judah that had yet to be conquered. And so much of the people had already been taken to Babylon. In fact, Jeremiah had been prophesying long before that. He said, listen, you haven't repented. You haven't come back to God. So Babylon is going to conquer you. But to save yourselves, Jeremiah says, just surrender to Babylon. Your lives will be spared. And now Jerusalem obviously didn't. Uh, Many people stayed and and they died either by the famine or by plague or by the sword. Um, But some people had already been living in Babylon now at this point. So Jeremiah is sending them a letter and he's writing to these people who were exiled to Babylon first. And so we read this letter. We're going to start uh, kind of in the middle of the chapter, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 15. So Jeremiah 29, 15 says this. 
You may say, you may say, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. But this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all the people who remain in this city. Your fellow citizens who did not go with you into exile. Jeremiah is speaking of, uh, to the exiles in Babylon about the people in Jerusalem who have stuck stubbornly and not listened to the word of God. And he says, this is what he says about this city, your fellow citizens who did not go with you into exile. Verse 17. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will send the sword, famine, and plague against them. I will make them like figs that are so bad that they cannot be eaten. Remember we read that just a couple of weeks ago, the good figs and the bad figs. And he says, I will make them like figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with the sword, famine, and plague, and will make them abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth, a curse and an object of horror, of scorn and reproach among all the nations where I drive them. Because they have not listened to my words, declares the Lord. Words that I have sent to them again and 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 again by my servants, the prophets. And you exiles have not listened either declares the Lord. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God Israel, says about Ahab, son of Coliah, and Zedekiah, son of Maaseiah, who are prophesying lies to you in my name. I will deliver them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will put them to death before your very eyes. Because of them, all the exiles from Judah who are in Babylon will use this curse May the Lord treat you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon burned in the fire. For they have done outrageous things in Israel. They have committed adultery with their neighbors as wives. And in, the na- in, in my name, they have uttered lies, which I did not authorize. I know it and I am witness to it, declares the Lord. And so even though some people had heeded Jeremiah's warning to surrender to Babylon, it doesn't mean that they were fully faithful to God. In fact, Jeremiah delivers this same warning. He writes it here in this letter. He's delivering the same warning that he's been repeating for 23 long years to the city of Jerusalem. He says, listen, go and surrender to Babylon. Don't stick here in the city because you will be destroyed. You will face death either by the sword, by the conquest, or by famine or plague in the city that is being surrounded. And now he says, listen, those of you who are stubbornly holding out because you're not listening to God. God has sent you messages again and again, but you have not listened. And so he says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to die because you're not heeding the word of God. Not that God is sending this disaster, but these are the consequences. If you're holding out in a city in war, you will either die by the sword or you will die of starvation, famine, and plague in a city that is surrounded that cannot have an income, that does not have an influx of fresh resources. But before the exiles have an opportunity to gloat, because I'm sure they were feeling pretty proud of themselves. Listen, those people in Jerusalem, they weren't listening, but we listened. We came to Babylon, just like Jeremiah said. Before they have a chance to gloat, Jeremiah gives them a warning too. You see, they had boasted that God had raised up for them prophets in Babylon. He says, listen, Jerusalem isn't listening, but here in Babylon, we have our own prophets. But that's not the case. See, Jeremiah calls out these false prophets. God calls out these false prophets. He calls out Zedekiah and Ahab for pretending to be prophets of God. They weren't prophesying in the name of the Lord, but rather they were instead being influenced by the nation of Babylon. They had turned away from God, and in turn, they were leading others away from God through their false prophecies, through their lies, through their actions. You see, these false prophets, they defamed the name of God. 
They brought dishonor to the name of God. Not only did they break the commandments in sleeping with their neighbor's wives, but they spoke only lies, God said. None of the prophecies that they delivered were truthful in any way. In fact, they were leading people away from God. And Jeremiah's warning to the exiles was, do not listen to these false prophets. Do not let them influence your practices. In fact, he says, do not be influenced by the practices of Babylon. Do not let Babylon raise up for you prophets because these prophets are not from God. So here's our first lesson for today. Our first lesson is this. God calls us from Babylon. God calls us from Babylon. You see, in the New Testament, the nation of Babylon is often symbolically used to represent a world without God. Babylon is full of sin. It is full of adultery, idolatry. It is full of evil. It is full of the worship of false gods. And much like ancient Babylon, it oppresses and displaces God's people. And you see, in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the author John uses that Babylon world analogy in describing the corruption and sin of the future kingdoms of the world. And John sees this vision In Revelation 17, he sees this vision of a woman dressed in purple and scarlet, glittering with gold and pearls and precious stones. And in this vision, he sees this woman is holding a golden cup filled with evil, it says, filled with sin, filled with godlessness. And John sees this name written on her forehead. And and the name in in chapter 17 says, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of, of the abominations of the earth. You see this woman represented Babylon, and represented Babylon as this kingdom who leads other kingdoms and other peoples into idolatry, into abandoning God's ways of love and taking on the ways of the world, which only leads to death. And in the next chapter, Revelation chapter 18, we read that this kingdom that this woman has fallen, this angel proclaims in Revelation 18, he says that she has received her judgment and is going to be punished for her wickedness. And the angel delivering this message calls out to God's people, telling them to cut all ties with Babylon. Do not be associated with Babylon. Come out of Babylon. Do not be anywhere near this kingdom for the punishment is coming. And then verse four, Revelation 18, four and five, you'll see it with you there on the screen. It says, then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins. And in sharing in her sins, if you do not share in her sins, you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins, it says, are piled up to heaven. They are countless. They are numerous. And God has remembered her crimes. God has not forgotten. See, John is, is given this vision. And this vision is meant to show God's people that Babylon will eventually face its destruction both, uh, both literal Babylon back in the past and spiritual Babylon in the future, says will face its destruction. And Babylon, when it faces its destruction, is going to take down anyone associated with her. And this isn't meant to spark fear in any way. Rather, it is meant to inspire us to find our salvation in Jesus. It is meant to inspire us to live in God's kingdom of love instead of the kingdoms of the world that we know are eventually going to be destroyed. You see, in the Old Testament, the prophets, prophets like Isaiah, like Jeremiah that we're reading now, like Ezekiel that we'll be exploring in the future, they foresee a day where God would bring this great deliverance and deliver his people from Babylon. Many of their prophecies have to do with a deliverance from Babylon. They talk about coming out of Babylon. They talk about the people uniting with God and worshiping him fully 
on his mountain. And the prophets often, especially Isaiah, often call this the day of the Lord. And now these prophecies in the Old Testament have two meanings. First, they are literal in that God would eventually bring the literal exiles, the real people of Israel out of Babylon. And God does this. God does this uh, in, in, I think it's five, not 587, I think 457 uh, BC through, through uh, Cyrus, king of Persia. And Cyrus allowed the exiles to return to Jerusalem and bring back the restoration of the city, restore the temple of God that Babylon had destroyed. And secondly, the way that we can interpret this Old Testament prophecy of the day of the Lord is it is apocalyptic, meaning that it refers to the end time. And that now this is not just a a, a literal deliverance. It also translates further into a spiritual deliverance where Babylon represents the sinful world and God is going to deliver his people from the sinful world into his kingdom of life and love and goodness. And now Jeremiah writes a letter to the elders in Babylon and he's warning them of these false prophets that are arising, that are coming up. And he tells them, he says, don't listen to those false prophets. Don't listen to their lies because they are going against what God is actually telling his people. And Jeremiah warns them not to be influenced by Babylon's sin and idolatry. And John, in fact, in Revelation has a similar message for us. He warns us that spiritual Babylon will be destroyed. And he calls us not to be influenced by Babylon's sin and by Babylon's anti-Jesus ways. So you see, our lesson is that God calls us from Babylon. We are called not to let the negative influences of the world change our relationship with God. We are called not to let the love of money and stability and positions, the love of objects, material possessions and experiences get in the way of our relationship with God. See, God wants us to remain loyal to him. He wants us not to pledge our allegiance to the broken and sinful and evil kingdoms. And right now, right now we are in Babylon. Not literally, but we're in spiritual Babylon. We're in a world that is full of sin and destruction and chaos, injustice, selfishness. We are in a world where God's ways and laws of loves are not the ruling authority. And God calls us not to let ourselves be influenced by the patterns of the world that lead us away from devotion to God. And this means that we need to cling God. It means we need to draw near to God. It means means we need to connect with him so that he might give us the wisdom to discern what is right and what is wrong and the strength then to live and walk in the right path. See, God calls us from Babylon. Now we're going to go back to the beginning of the letter, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. See what else Jeremiah is saying. Verse four says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what your gardens produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may also have sons and daughters. Increase in number in Babylon, do not decrease. Also, listen to verse seven, this is important. God says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. 
Do not listen to the dreams that you yourselves are encouraging them to have, for they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. You see, the problem with the false prophets in Babylon was that they were being influenced by Babylon into sin and idolatry. And verse 8 says that they were giving the people messages claiming to be from God, but were really just what the people wanted to hear. What kind of messages were those, we might ask? Well, for a people who had just been captured by a foreign nation, I'm sure the messages that they wanted to hear were about how God was going to deliver them and rescue them from Babylon. And this inherently isn't a bad message. Jeremiah, in fact, is giving them the exact same message here in chapter 29. But the timeline, the timing, the order of things that these false prophets claimed to be was from God wasn't actually from God. You see, from the message that God sends through Jeremiah, it seems like the prophets were telling the people not to worry that God was going to deliver them right away. He says, don't even bother doing anything. But God had a different message. God says, settle down in Babylon. Get married, have children, find spouses for those children, increase in number. Do not let this displacement and this exile destroy you as a people, God says. God says, in fact, seek the peace. That's hard to do for a nation who's just conquered you. Seek the peace and prosperity of the communities around you. And then God tells them to pray for their communities. In other words, God's deliverance is coming. God promises that. But this didn't mean that God's people weren't to live their lives and fulfill their calling of being a light to the nations around them. So here's our second lesson for today. Our second lesson is God calls us for Babylon. You see, what's interesting is that while Jeremiah warns the exiles not to be influenced by Babylon, he is at the same time calling them to influence Babylon. Jeremiah tells them, listen, you're going to be here for a while. You're going to be here for 70 years. Yes, deliverance is eventually going to come, but you cannot live your lives with one foot out the door, Jeremiah says. Your stay is going to last a while. So Jeremiah says, settle down, build houses, plant gardens, marry, have children, find wives for those children, find husbands for those children. Jeremiah says, pray for your city. Seek its peace. Seek its prosperity so that together you both might prosper. And you see, there's no issue. There's no issue with sharing the hope of deliverance with Israel. That wasn't the sin of the prophets, or rather, the issue was the conclusions that the people were coming to about this deliverance. God's promise of deliverance was confirmation that their God truly was supreme. God's promise of deliverance was confirmation that even though the kingdoms of the world seem to be winning for a time, that God will set things right. It is a confirmation meant to lead into inspiration. And it should have, should have, should have led God's people into faithful worship. It should have led God's people into revealing the blessing of their God to the people around them. Yes, even the Babylonians who had captured them. Instead, what was happening were these prophets were saying, don't worry, God is coming right away. And so they took these promises of deliverance and they checked out mentally. 
They thought, why should they work in Babylon if God's going to deliver them? Why should we build houses if God is going to deliver us? Why establish routines in a temporary country? But in fact, Babylon was the precise place where Israel could truly fulfill its purpose. God had called them to be a blessing to all nations. And now, here, under Babylonian exile, they could rub shoulders with the exiles from other nations. Nations that they might not normally get an opportunity to have such prolonged personal and intimate contact with. And these blended neighborhoods were an opportunity for God's character of love to be revealed. But the people, they didn't want to hear that. They wanted to check out. Now, if you're like me, if you were raised in this church, you may have been ingrained with this idea of coming out of Babylon. If you're new to the church, you might have been taught this same idea of being separate from the world. You may have heard the phrase, in the world, but not of the world. And while God really does call us to be distinct, while God does call us to be examples of real godly love, we sometimes take it to mean that we give up on the world because the world isn't our home. For example, I've heard Christians say in the past that caring for our earth environmentally, we just had Earth Day this week, that caring for our earth environmentally doesn't matter because God is coming to change things anyways. We've checked out mentally longing for heaven. And longing for heaven isn't a bad thing. I want you to know that. You can long for heaven, but don't check out mentally. I've seen people preaching doctrine, putting such an importance on preaching doctrine, overacting in love because they say, well, God is coming soon. People need to know. Yes, people do need to know. Doctrine is important. I believe that doctrine reveals God's love, but head knowledge is useless if it doesn't lead us into actually loving the people around us. Did you hear that? All the information in your head is utterly useless if it doesn't lead you into loving the people around you. You see, the problem, the problem that we have created with the hope of Jesus is that we have traded or made or transformed that hope into a form of escapism. We've turned the hope of deliverance into an excuse not to be present and active in the world around us. We've used deliverance as an excuse not to work to change the broken patterns of the world around us. You see, deliverance is coming. I believe that firmly. That is one of my greatest hopes in all of life is that deliverance is coming, but it's not an excuse to live with one foot out the door. Deliverance doesn't mean that we sit on our thumbs waiting for God's work to be completed. In fact, if all we're doing is sitting around waiting, mentally checked out, we actually miss the work that God is calling us to do in Babylon. You see, God doesn't want us to miss the important work he's calling us to do right here, right now. God has a people in Babylon that he wants to save. So God calls us, he calls us to pray for Babylon, to pray for its city, to pray for its people. He calls us to cling to the hope of deliverance, but to let that hope lead us into action. 
We cannot live checked out of earth and checked into heaven. You see, this, this sinful earth may not be our eternal home, but it's where we live now. And where we live now is where God wants us to work. God wants us to be ambassadors of this kingdom. And God wants us to be in our communities. You see, God calls us for Babylon. We're going to read our last section of verses today, verse 24. Verse 24, we're going to start reading, says, this is another letter of Jeremiah. Tell Shemaiah the Nehelamite, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. You sent letters in your own name to all the people in Jerusalem, to the priest Zephaniah, son of Masaiah, and to all the other priests. You said to Zephaniah, the Lord has appointed you priest in place of Jehoiada to be in charge of the house of the Lord. You should put any maniac who acts like a prophet in the spocks and neck irons. So Shemaiah says, why have you not reprimanded Jeremiah from Anathoth? who poses as a prophet among you. He has sent this message to us in Babylon. It will be a long time. Therefore, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Zephaniah, the priest, however, instead of putting Jeremiah in prison, read the letter to Jeremiah, the prophet. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he says, send this message to all the exiles. This is what the Lord says about Shemaiah, the Nehelamite. Because Shemaiah has prophesied to you, even though I did not send him, and has persuaded you to trust in lies, this is what the Lord says. I will surely punish Shemaiah the Nehelamite and his descendants. He will have no one left among this people, nor will he see the good things I will do for my people, declares the Lord. All because he has preached rebellion against me. Now in these verses, Jeremiah is responding to Shemaiah's response. You see, Shemaiah hears this letter, we had the one we had just read, the one to pray for your city, to seek the peace and prosperity of your city, to plant gardens, build houses, establish homes, marry, have children, marry your children's children, right? Give them husbands and wives. Shemaiah had read that letter and he's frustrated. He's angry because he prefers the message of Zedekiah and Ahab. He prefers the message of the false prophets that says, no, don't worry about any of this stuff. God is coming right away. Where Jeremiah is saying, well, no, settle down. God is coming, but not for 70 years. You, you have some work to do in Babylon. And so Jeremiah is angry and he calls Zephaniah. He, he writes him a letter. He says, listen, Jeremiah is a maniac. Arrest him. He's a false prophet. He's giving up all these false prophecies, all because they don't line up with our expectations. But Jeremiah replies and he tells them, and he says, listen, because you have opposed God, because you have led rebellion against God, you're going to die in Babylon. You're not going to get to see the good things that God has for Israel. You see, Shemaiah and the people, they didn't like God's message and they just wanted to leave. But this is important. God was calling his people for a good work in Babylon. And here's our final lesson for today. Our final lesson is God calls us in Babylon. You see, the people wanted to leave. And so Shemaiah condemned any message that didn't line up with their expectations. But God's message to them wasn't escapism. Deliverance would come, yes, but there was still a work to be done in Babylon. You see, God was taking them through stages of growth 
God was, was, was taking through a, them through a process. There was growing to be done in Babylon. There was work to be done in Babylon. There was a blessing to receive and to give in Babylon. And so God's message to his people was this. He says, be present. Don't check out. Be present. Live your lives. Live your purpose. Deliverance and restoration are coming in the end. Yes, I have promised that. But what you do here and now is important. What you do in anticipation of that deliverance is important. God was doing a good work for his people in Babylon, but to escape this stage, to check out mentally and leave early would be to miss the blessing that God had had for them. And you see, Jesus places he places a calling over our lives. You see, our call, Matthew says, is to be a light to the world. Our call is to show others the forgiveness, the mercy, the salvation, the hope that comes only through Jesus. And this call to come out of Babylon, if you read it in Revelation 18, it's a call that comes at the end. It's not yet. It's a call that comes at the end. But for now, while we live in Babylon, God calls us in Babylon. I want to invite the band to come on up as we begin to close. You see, we're called to minister to Babylon. But we cannot minister from a distance. We need to get down in the proverbial trenches. We need to rub elbows with the people. We need to be in our communities to seek its peace and prosperity and to pray for our communities. And at the end of the day, regardless of what anyone believes, every single one of us is a precious child of God. Every human being here on earth is beloved by God. And you see, these communities are God's communities. God wants to do a good work in them, but, but if the people who are called to be God's light in the world are checked out, if we refuse to be in the work, then we fail to be a part of God's good work. You see, we're called not to be influenced by the world, but rather to influence the world. We are called not to find our purpose in the world, but to lead the world into its purpose in Jesus. He said, God calls us in Babylon. You know, we're, we're, called to be, we're called to be a distinct people. We're called to be a royal priesthood for God. God calls us from Babylon. When we are real followers of Jesus, when we're truly following God's path, we are going to be at odds with Babylon. We're going to be at odds with the world because the way of Jesus resists the selfish ways of the world. The way of Jesus puts God's kingdom of life and love over and against the world's kingdom of sin and death. And we need to stop allowing the broken patterns of the world to influence our lives. We need to stop measuring our priorities and standards by the world's priorities and standards. You see, God is calling us to a new life, to a different life. He calls us to be selfless, forgiving, merciful, and loving. He calls us to fight for the way of Jesus here on earth. And you see, we get to be a part 
We get to be involved in the work of ushering God's kingdom. And so God calls us for Babylon. We're not meant to live out of suitcases with our bags packed and ready for heaven. We are called at the moment to live here on earth. And God promises deliverance. He promises an end to the evil kingdoms of the world. He promises a restoration of his kingdom here on earth. But that doesn't mean that we live checked out of here, of earth, of now. There is still a work to be done. There are a people that God loves on this earth who have not yet had a chance to discover the joy and love and hope that is found only in Jesus. And so God is calling us to be for Babylon, not for its patterns of sin and evil, but for its people, a people that God truly loves. He calls us to be for the people lost in a world without Jesus. See, God is doing a good work in Babylon and he wants us to be a part of it. And being a part of the good work, being a part of the good work that God is doing means being present. See, God calls us in Babylon. You cannot reach a world that you're not a part of. You cannot lead a people that you're not connected to. You cannot love, listen to this, you cannot love a people you don't interact with. We are still called to be different, to live the heavenly, anti-worldly pattern of love, but we are called while in Babylon. God is doing a good work here and now, and we are a part of it. We get to be a part of it. So the message of Jeremiah, the message of God is seek peace. Seek the prosperity of your communities. Pray for your communities. Be involved in your communities. The message of God isn't sit and wait. The message of God is get out there and love. Amen.